I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1 tonight. We're going to begin reading in verse 40, and we're going to read down to verse 45 this evening. And I would like us to look tonight at a miracle that Jesus performed on a man when he delivered him from a dreaded disease. And we're reading tonight verse 40 of Mark chapter 1. Hear what God has to say to to us tonight. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will, be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto him, or unto them. But he went out, and he began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word, and may God use it in our hearts tonight. This past December 17th, just a couple of months ago, my wife and I were down in the Charleston, South Carolina area. I had to speak at a special event And then we had Saturday night free, and then we decided to go to church on Sunday morning up in Charleston. And after the service, I went out and got in my truck, my wife and I, and we were getting ready to drive back to Greenville, which was about a little over three-hour drive. I got in my car and did what most of us do. I checked my text messages. And I saw a message from a fellow that used to travel on our team. He's been out here before. Evangelist Aaron Coffey. Aaron traveled with us, actually met his wife on our team. They married, and today they have four children, and he has a team, and he travels. And the text said these words. Can you please pray? Matt Clemens just died in a car accident. Please pray for Carol Ann. She and Asa, that's the little boy, are fine. They were not with him. She is lost and overwhelmed. Have you ever had a text like that and you read it and you read it two or three times to make sure that what you're reading is really real? Matt Clemens was Aaron's assistant on his team. He He was in charge of all the teen ministries and children's work. His wife, Carol Ann, he and Carol Ann got married right after graduation from Bob Jones University after my first year of being president 
in 2015. Carol Ann, her senior year, was senior class president on the lady side. Her husband, Matt, I don't know if you've ever met Matt, but Matt's one of those guys that he's always moving and always running. He's the kind of guy that would run right past the pearly gates to heaven. I mean, he was that kind of a guy. He was a kid magnet. If he walked in the room, everybody knew he was there, and everybody, especially children and teenagers, fell in love with Matt Clements. Matt and Carol Ann got married, and they went and immediately began to travel with Aaron Coffey's team. At the end of their first year, 2016, Matt came back to me, and he said, I'm, I'm seeking God's will about the future. I said, well, what are you thinking about? He said, well, I'm thinking about coming back and going to graduate school here at Bob Jones University. I said, well, what else are you thinking about? He said, well, I'm thinking about staying on and traveling with Aaron. He said, I'm not sure what to do. I looked at him, I said, what do you want to do? Now, of course, being the president of Bob Jones, I would like him to come back and go to school. I mean, he, makes, he pays my living, so I'd like him to come back and go to school. But I asked him, I said, what do you want to do? He said, well, I really want to travel. I said, well, travel. And so for two and a half years, they traveled together up until this December. It's Christmas break. I've experienced for years and years and years Christmas breaks. You say goodbye, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. So Matt and Carol Ann, they go back to um, Carol Ann's home in Decatur, Alabama. And they get up on Sunday morning, just like we get up on Sunday morning. And they got their little boy ready, and they went to church. And on the way to church, Matt realized that they had left their cell phones back home, and they needed their cell phones because they were going to go out to eat afterwards, and they had to make some connections. So he said to Carol Ann, I'll be right back. I'm going to run home and get the, 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 the phones. And it was a five-minute drive. He turned around, went home, got the, got the cell phones, got back in his car. And between that house and the church on a five-minute drive, he went off the side of the road, flipped the car over, and he sustained a traumatic head injury and instantly died. It was weird. Just, you don't expect that. He's 25 years old, 25. He was a zealous, passionate, fervent young man who loved Christ and wanted to serve. And as soon as I read that text message, a couple things began to kick into my mind. First of all, I immediately called Aaron. We wept over the phone together. And then I said, Aaron, I want to talk to you straight up. And I began to talk about supplying needs for Carol Ann. She's 25 years old. She's got a baby. They had no life insurance. They, they didn't have anything. I, know, I said, I know the lifestyle. They don't have anything. And so suddenly this sense of urgency and compassion moved us to do something for her, to be able to help, to sustain her and raise money for her. Now, that feeling of compassion, I'd like you to take tonight in your mind, take that feeling, okay? And I would like us to go back to the story here, and I would like to go back to what it says in verse 40 and 41, because I want you to feel with me tonight what Jesus felt when a man came to see him with a dreaded disease called leprosy. Would you look once again at what it says in verse 40? 
And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And by the way, when he said, If thou wilt, he simply means, If you so desire. If you desire, Lord, you can make me clean. And verse 41, and Jesus, notice what it says, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will, I desire this, be thou clean. Mark tells us of the response of Jesus when the leper came. The leper kneels down, he begs Jesus to cleanse him from this awful disease. And the scripture says Jesus was moved with compassion. And what was the result? He responded, he did something. Genuine compassion always moves God's people to do something. You can't be compassionate and at the same time indifferent. It's impossible. And Jesus put out his hand, he touched the man, and he cleansed him of his leprosy so that the disease no longer existed. And so tonight, my message is really quite simple. The title is Moved with Compassion. Because it is compassion that was the compelling attribute that stirred Jesus to action. When we consider the the task of missions and reaching people with the gospel, what is it that will ultimately move us to do something? And that is when we are moved with compassion. So let's consider that tonight. And I want us to notice a number of things about compassion. First of all, let's consider the root of compassion. Or simply this, where does compassion come from? You know when you have compassion and you know when you don't. But what moves us? The Bible here says that Jesus was moved with compassion. The word compassion is a very interesting word. It literally comes from the idea of your stomach. And the idea was this, in the minds of the Greeks, of course the Bible was written in the original Greek language, when they wanted to express their deepest emotions, they would talk about their stomach. And the reason is, we understand that. For example, when something is terrible, we call it gut-wrenching. Or when you get nervous in the stomach, we call it, you get the butterflies. Or maybe sometimes when you worry all the time, you get ulcers in where? Your stomach. And the idea was that the stomach was the seat of the deepest emotions of the human being. And so when it says that Jesus was moved with compassion, it meant that he felt the deepest emotions from his heart. For compassion means to feel your way into someone's needs. People have needs, but we don't always feel that. But compassion means you feel your way into that person's needs. And where does this come from? Compassion comes, first of all, from seeing the sufferings and the misfortunes of others. I mean, it didn't take much for me to imagine Matt Clemens' death, for I knew him and suddenly feel compassion for his wife and his son. You see 
the sufferings of others. And then secondly, it is the ability to understand and share in their pain. You not only see it, but you even have deeper understanding. And this is exactly the way Jesus responded when he saw people suffering. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. For example, the scripture tells us in Mark 6 that when Jesus saw the multitudes of people, he was moved with compassion because they were sheep that didn't have a shepherd. What's the largest crowd of people you have ever seen? Probably for me, it was in the summer of 1976. I was living in Washington, D.C. area, and that was the celebration of our 200th anniversary as a country. And so I went downtown Washington, D.C. on the 4th of July, 1976. It was the largest fireworks demonstration at that point in the history of our country. It was a sea of flesh. As far as the eye could see, you could only see human beings. I was standing at the Washington Monument, the tall monument. As I looked to straight forward, I could see the White House. As I looked to my left, I could see the Lincoln Memorial. As I looked to my right, I could see the United States Capitol. And as far as I could see, I could only see human beings. And I remember the overwhelming sense of compassion for these people because most of these people that were here were lost and going to hell. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved because he saw them as sheep without shepherds. But not only when Jesus saw the multitudes, but when Jesus saw the individuals, the Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 7 that Jesus came upon a funeral. It was the funeral of a young man who was 19 years old who was being carried out of town and his mother was with him. She was his only son. And the Bible says that when the Lord saw the woman, he had compassion on her and he said unto her, weep not. It's very interesting that as far as we know, every funeral that Jesus attended, he broke it up by raising the person from the dead. Jesus saw not only the multitudes and was moved, but Jesus saw the individuals and he was moved with compassion. The Bible also tells us that Jesus told stories about the way, way compassion responds. You know these stories. You remember the story of the good Samaritan where it said a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw the man who had been basically left for dead, who had been beaten up and robbed, the scripture says he had compassion on him. And what's the story about the good Samaritan? He sees this man whom a priest and a Levite passed by on the road and would not help him. And this Samaritan who was not even Jewish, he was an outcast, he was a half-breed As he came and he saw this man, he was moved with compassion and that compassion moved him to do something. And he took him and he took him down to an inn and there he was able to help him to meet his needs. When people are compassionate, they do something. And then of course Jesus tells a story about a son who leaves home, takes his inheritance and he goes out and he wastes it. We call him the prodigal son. We read in Luke 15, it says 
that the father saw the son coming from a great way off. And when the father saw him, it says he had compassion on him. And what did that compassion motivate the father to do? It motivated the father to run, to fall on his own son's neck and to kiss him and to embrace him and bring him back in. And what do we see over and over in the New Testament? In many different situations, Jesus is telling us that it is compassion that moved him to do what he did. The reason you and I are saved is because God had compassion on you. That God from the depths of his innermost being felt for you and he reached out and he saved you. And when we consider that this was the movement of God, of what moved in the heart of God, then this is why you and I are saved. And this is the very heart of missions. Jesus was moved by compassion because he saw the suffering of this man who came to him with leprosy. He could see it. But not only did he see it, but being who he was, he totally understood what was happening in this man's life. You know, sometimes we have compassion on people, but we really don't have full understanding. Jesus had both. And what did Jesus understand about this dreaded disease called leprosy? Well, he knew, first of all, that leprosy was a skin disease. The Bible actually writes about it. You know, there's two whole chapters in the Bible about leprosy. In the Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapters 13 and 14, there Moses talks about leprosy. Leprosy, by the way, was a variety of skin diseases. Some scribes say that there are up to 72 different kinds of leprosy, but primarily the kind of leprosy that we read about here was a really terrible disease because in it, people begin to lose the ability to feel pain in their body. And it brings numbness to the extremities like your fingers and your toes, your nose and your eyes. And soon you begin to lose body parts due to repeated injuries and infection that goes unnoticed. I remember the first time I really saw leprosy, I was in India. And I remember it very clearly. I was in the town of Bangalore and I was riding around in one of these little auto rickshaws. It's a three-wheeled kind of do- deal that, you know, that they ride around a little, like a little motor scooter. And uh, they were big enough for two Americans or ten Indians to sit in, however you want to look at it. <laughs> and I remember sitting in the back, and we pulled up to a stoplight, <clears throat> and suddenly a bandaged hand reached into the auto rickshaw, and I looked up, and standing there was a man with leprosy. Basically, he put his hand in as as a handout because he was looking for me to give him something as he was begging on the street. And I remember the immediate, almost reaction of withdrawing from this man because of his suffering. I also remember a number of years ago, I was in the country of Af- I was in the continent of Africa, and I was preaching there. And I remember stopping in a village, and there we went to see a pastor. And we were invited into his hut, and as we walked into the hut, I saw a man that just looked odd. His face was very scarred; it looked like a part of his nose was missing. And later found out that this man had leprosy. 
And when you see somebody with leprosy, you're not drawn to them. You are naturally repulsed by them. And in the book of Mark here, it says that this man was a leper, but we read in a parallel passage in Luke chapter 5 that this man was actually full of leprosy. It covered his entire body. Jesus understood leprosy. But not only was leprosy a skin disease, but it was a terrible social disease. The Old Testament law in the book of Leviticus was very specific concerning a leper. For it tells us that a leprous person who has a disease is supposed to wear torn clothes, not normal clothes, but torn clothes. His, his, the hair of his head was to hang loose. He was to cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He was to remain unclean as long as he had the disease and he was to live alone and where he lived was to be outside the city. Let me put it this way. Lepers were required to make their appearance as repulsive as possible. Whenever they came into the village, they were to cry out unclean so people would avoid contact with them. This was to protect the village as far as their health was concerned, because the disease could be contagious. However, the problem with the disease is that it robbed the leper of his identity. Because what did he call himself? He called himself unclean. No matter what his name was, he was just simply called the leper. It robbed him of his name. It robbed him of his family and his fellowship. It robbed him of his community. He was a leper. He lived in isolation. He lived in humiliation. He lived with a sense of worthlessness and despair. The famous Jewish historian Josephus summarized the condition of a leper by saying that they were treated as if they were in effect dead men. You could say that they were the original walking dead. And Jesus understood this. He understood what the man felt. He understood what he experienced. He also understood what he desired. And one other other thing about leprosy, leprosy was actually a spiritual disease. Anybody who came into contact with a leper were considered spiritually unclean. It's interesting, other illnesses uh, had to be healed. But a leper had to be cleansed. Did you notice that? He never said to Jesus, heal me. He said to Jesus, cleanse me. Because leprosy, out of all the diseases that are in the Bible, represented sin more than anything else. So when Jesus saw this man... There was something that he experienced. He was moved with compassion because not only did he see this man suffering, but he understood the condition. He shared in their feelings and he tried to do something about it. And folks, I want you to understand that compassion is absolutely vital for effective gospel ministry. Compassion moves us. It moves us to reach those that we would never normally reach. It moves us to reach the unlovely. When I began in the ministry, 
of uh, working with teenagers. I was a youth pastor for five years. I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really want to be a youth pastor. You say, why didn't you want to be a youth pastor? Because teenagers are irritating. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I, I, wanted all of my, I wanted all of the teenagers in the youth group to be, you know, to be preachers. You know, I, and just seriously dedicated to God. So I was slightly militaristic when I began in the youth ministry. But I was, I was taught that if you really want to have effective ministry, you need to understand where the teenagers come from. So I made it my habit every single Saturday to visit on Saturdays the teenagers in my youth group. I just go over to their house. I mean, nothing big, just go and hang out a little bit and talk to them, see how they're doing. And you know, when I went to their house and I saw where they lived and I began to understand their families, when they came to church the next morning, <clears throat> my attitude was totally different because I understood them. Fact is, I began to be excited that they actually showed up to church because I saw the kind of families they were coming from and the very fact that they were coming to church in and of itself was a miracle. Compassion doesn't come unless you see where people live and you try to understand what they're going through. My wife has had cancer twice. She currently has a form of cancer that she has to take treatments for on a regular basis. <clears throat> when my wife was diagnosed with cancer for the first time in 1998, for the next 15 years or so, we still traveled in the ministry of evangelism. But you know what was really interesting was that every church that we went to, when people found out my wife had cancer, there were people in that church who either had cancer or somebody in their family who had cancer who were instantaneously drawn to my wife. Why? Because when you suffer something and you understand it, then you immediately are connected to each other. Nobody came to me. You know, they just bypassed me and went right to my wife. However, I did go through some stuff and have gone through things so that now when I meet a man whose wife is diagnosed with cancer, I instantly feel for him. Last summer I was preaching in Arizona and the man who started the camp was about my age and at the, about midway through the week, he and his wife went to the doctors down in Phoenix, Arizona and she was diagnosed with cancer. When the news came back to me at the camp that she had been diagnosed with cancer, I called him up immediately. I said, stay at your house. I'll be there as fast as I can get there. I jumped in the vehicle I was in and I drove straight to the house and I walked in and I said, I want to talk to y'all and I want to pray with you. You know, when people get sick and they have cancer, you, your tendency is to leave them alone because you don't want to bother them because they're suffering. But folks, if you've been through it, you don't want to leave them alone. You want to go to them. And the reason I wanted to go to them is it was just almost a natural response. It was a response that I understood them. I knew what they were going through and I was able to identify with them and actually the feeling of compassion I had for them was just simply based on the experience that I went through. Jesus, the perfect son of God who understood suffering because he had suffered like all of us suffer. And Jesus was able to show compassion because of what came out of his heart. 
I heard the story of a well-known pastor who had a tremendous ministry reaching people with the gospel, people from all walks of life. And somebody asked him one day, what was the secret to his ministry? And why was, it he, why was he so effective? And he pointed to the corner of his eye and he said, it's the moist spot in the corner of my eye. He's saying it's compassion. That it's compassion that makes the difference in the lives of people. The first missions trip my wife and I took, we went to Mexico. And we went down into a, a city and we were there and got to meet some of the missionaries. And then we were there about a week and then we came out. And so I remember that week meeting a young couple. And I remember that the, young, the, the, the wife confided in my wife that she was really struggling in the ministry. And the reason she was struggling in the ministry is that she didn't like Mexicans. I said, that's a problem. If you're going to Mexico to reach Mexicans, you might want to like the Mexicans. I said, maybe you ought to go to Slovakia. You know what I mean? Because, you know, people around the world aren't that much different. You know, it's not like people in Guam are like radically different than people in the United States or wherever. I mean, you got cultural differences, you got language differences. But when you get down to people, people are people. And people know when you love them and people know when you don't love them. People know when you care and people know when you don't care. And the scripture tells us here that from the very heart of Christ, he was moved to heal this man because he was moved with compassion. In any church that loses its compassion for people, loses its ministry. So we see the root of compassion. It's based on what he saw and what he understood. And that leads me to the second thing tonight, and that is the risk of compassion. Compassion ministry is pretty risky business. The Bible says here that this leper came to him, knelt down before Jesus, said, if you, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved, put forth his hand, touched him, and he said, I will, I want you to be clean. He said, be thou clean. But what I want you to understand is the compassion that Jesus showed in that day was actually in conflict with the social structures and the barriers of his day. The leper coming to Jesus was highly provocative and was very offensive. For the leper to come to Jesus meant he was breaking the law. And the law was not man's law, it was God's law because it was in the Old Testament. It also broke all the social customs because lepers could not come close to you. And not only was it wrong for the leper, but Jesus' response was no less scandalous because think of it, what would a normal observant Jew do when he saw a leper coming at him? What do you think he would do? You have to understand something. If the leper touched you, it would make you unclean. Now, if you're an observant Jew 
who even is so careful that you wash your hands in a certain way to make sure you're ceremonially clean when you eat, when you see a leper coming at you, what are you going to do? You're going to run. You're going to recoil. You're going to try to protect and defend yourself. But what did Jesus do? Well, he did something very risky. Instead of turning away from the leper, he turns to the leper and he touches him. Normally, if you touch the unclean, it's going to make the clean unclean. But in this case, it was the opposite. He touched the unclean and he made the unclean clean. When compassion enters in, the compassion of God, it transforms people's lives because compassion ministries touch the untouchable. It reaches those that nobody wants to reach. They reach out to the untouchables with God's love. And compassion ministries risk reaching those who are at-risk people. Folks, let me tell you something. If you want to have a ministry with lepers, go ahead. Nobody else wants to. Lots of opportunities. Compassion ministries embrace the contemptible elements of society with the gospel of God's love. Compassion ministries embrace the very things that people would normally despise and reject. That's why compassion ministries often get get pushed back from the church. But compassion ministries are crucial if a church is going to be authentically Christian. Did you hear what I said? Let's be honest, folks. Churches can easily turn into clubs. Where I come from in the South, we call them country clubs. Churches can turn into clubs, folks, where the clean like being with the clean. And they want it to be a certain way for their own comfort. But folks, church was not intended to be comfortable. Someone said that the ministry of the preacher is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comforted. One person said the touch of Jesus spoke more loudly than his words and the words of Jesus touched the leper more deeply than any act of human love. What do we see in Jesus? We see his ministry of compassion. So let me ask you a question tonight. What is your ministry of compassion? What social outcast are you trying to reach? What kind of ministry of compassion does your church have? When I began in the ministry in 1980, almost every church had a ministry of compassion. Did you know that? Almost every church I went to had a ministry of compassion. You know what we called that ministry? We called it the bus ministry. How many have ever heard of a bus ministry? Okay. It's a ministry of compassion. You know why? Because bus kids don't pay for the bus. Or the gas. They don't make your church clean. They usually make it unclean. Sometimes they're really hard to take care of. 
But when churches had a bus ministry, when I started in the ministry in 1980, the churches also had a sense of compassion to them. And you know what? They got really excited because guess what happened? Bus kids got saved. And sometimes their parents got saved. By the way, my wife was a bus kid. And those churches had something unique to them because the atmosphere was a compassion ministry. You know, compassion is something you got to give. You got to give it out. When you give it out, you sense it. The church feels it. But, but, but you take away a compassion ministry, what happens? Something changes in the church. So for lots of reasons, churches stopped having the bus ministry. To be frankly honest with you, I don't think it's like a right and wrong whether or not they should or should not do it. But it is wrong to not have compassion ministries. Because if you don't have a compassion ministry, the only thing you like to be around are the clean. But folks, we're all unclean. Jesus came into a world that was unclean. And he came into the world to reach us and show us compassion. Compassion ministries make the difference. And here's the problem. If you stop your compassion ministries, you lose the opportunity to see lepers cleansed. Man, just think about it. How cool is that? What happened at church today? A leper got cleansed. Wow, you ought to come to my church, man. It's the happening place. Because when you show compassion, you start reaching people that nobody wants to touch. It's costly. It's risky. In some cases, it's expensive. But it's really worth it. When a church loses its compassion, it loses its ministry. And what do we see in this? We see that this was what made the difference. He was moved with compassion. And that leads me to the last point I want to make tonight, and that is the results of this compassion. I want us to go back as we finish out tonight in the story, and I want to read in verse 43. And I want you to notice something, because there's something here that happens that does cause a question. It says... And he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away. That's the man that was healed. And he said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out, and he began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in the desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Jesus charged this man to follow the rules of Moses. What were the rules of Moses? To go back and to be ceremonially cleansed by a priest. Okay, that's what the law taught. Now, we're not quite sure if the cleansed leper followed Christ's commands. He may have gone to the priest and then afterwards he began to make known publicly what happened to him. But it appears like he didn't do it. Because the word but, verse 45, he went out, seems to be a contrast. He disregarded what Jesus said. He went out and he blazed the message. 
that basically he had been healed by Jesus, which was a sign that he was the Messiah. In either case, he broadcasted the news of his cleansing, and the result of what happened was unusually ironic. You see, when the story started, Jesus was the insider. He was leading the spiritual group. The leper was an outsider. But as a result of the leper's testimony, Jesus and the leper switch places. Because the scripture tells us here at the end that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city. Jesus became the outsider while the leper became an insider in Jesus' group. And what does this show us? This is something that's very important. And that is, this, was the, this, this story is actually an illustration in the very beginning of the gospel to show us why did Jesus come into the world. He came into the world to reach the outsiders so we could become insiders. Those of us who are outside of the family, Jesus went to the outside so that we could come in. Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The book of Isaiah speaks of the Messiah coming to be God's servant who would suffer. The book of Mark teaches us that Jesus was the one who fulfilled Isaiah's image. Jesus came to be the suffering servant. And how did Jesus fulfill the role of the suffering servant? Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 53. And as we finish tonight, I'd like you to turn there if you will. Because I want you to see what Jesus came to do. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, came into this world so that we could come into his family and so that he could deliver us from our sins. And look at Isaiah 53 and verse 3. It's speaking of Jesus and he's, and he's basically giving prophecy here and it says he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with what? What's the next word? Grief. The Hebrew word for Greek Grief is sickness. The word acquainted means that he intimately understood sickness. We read on, and he and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our grief, our sicknesses. He carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are what? Healed. Rophe or Rapha. And what is Isaiah doing? It is telling us that God's servant came into this world to deliver us from the sicknesses of our sin and our life. He came to heal us and cleanse us. And what this story is teaching you and I is that there is not a sin in our life that Jesus did not bear. 
He went outside the camp bearing our reproach so that we could come inside of God's camp and be a part of his family. And ministries that make a difference are the kind where they compassionately give of themselves sacrificially so that others can come into the kingdom of God. And so tonight I want to challenge you that a church that makes a difference and a person that makes a difference is involved in compassion ministry. So what is your compassion ministry? What specific ministry, what specific people who are unclean, who are despised and rejected, are you touching? Who are you giving yourself to unreservedly?